Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to iHeartRadio Communities, a public affairs special focusing on the biggest issues impacting you this week. Here's Ryan Gorman. Thanks for joining us here on iHeartRadio Communities. I'm Ryan Gorman, and we have some great conversations lined up for you. First, with October being Breast Cancer Awareness Month, we'll spend some time talking to the head of a foundation on the front lines of the fight to find a cure for a disease that impacts more than 200,000 women in the U.S. each year. Then I'll be joined by legendary political pollster and strategist John Zogby to talk about polling, something we're seeing a lot of these days as we get closer and closer to the election. We'll step you through what you need to know when reading political polls. First up, I'm joined by Myra Biblowit, president and CEO of the Breast Cancer Research Foundation. You can find out more at bcrf.org. Myra, we appreciate you joining us for a few minutes. Let's start with some background on the foundation, basically how it came about and the mission behind your work? BCRF uh, was founded in 1993 by my dear friend Evelyn Lauder, um, daughter-in-law of Estee Lauder, uh, and I helped her launch the foundation and then joined uh, nearly 20 years ago in 2001, and I have been running it ever since. What's unique about BCRF is our laser-sharp focus on research. We never waver from that mission. We have stayed the course. Our researchers truly have been part of every major breakthrough in breast cancer prevention, diagnosis, treatment, survivorship, and metastasis. Uh, I will say that as I look back over the past two decades, the changes have been swift and promising. We initially focused on diagnosis and treatment and ways to amplify those. And over time, as research revealed more, we added prevention and we added survivorship. And those powerfully bookend the continuum of breast cancer research and truly change outcomes. BCRF also homed in on metastatic breast cancer research, which truly is the key to eradicating this disease. In fact, nearly all deaths from breast cancer and all cancers are from metastasis. So if we can figure out the underlying mechanisms behind metastatic disease, the impact and cascading impact on lives is huge. BCRF today is the largest private funder of breast cancer research and the largest investor in a global initiative to dissect and understand metastatic disease and change its path forward. Uh, We are the highest weighted breast cancer organization in the country, and I will say every day we are gaining on the disease. When I look back at our aspirations in the early years, truly they were so modest in comparison to what research is revealing today, and the proof is in the pudding. Research is the reason there are more women and men surviving and thriving after breast cancer. In fact, we now have nearly 4 million people in the U.S. alone, the largest cohort ever of breast cancer survivors, and that is unequivocal evidence that research saves lives. You know, with, uh, with COVID and everything else going on today, the public's appreciation 
for the value of science in changing the future is tremendous. Since BCRF was founded, deaths from breast cancer have declined by 40%. That's the power of research. Research is the reason that deaths have dropped by 40%. That's a huge number. It's hugely impactful. That's what produces 4 million survivors in the U.S. today. We have more refined diagnostics. We have more targeted therapies. And these improve outcomes and save lives. There's light at the end of the tunnel. But I will tell you, especially in this challenging climate, funding is the only barrier to eradicating this disease. The more dollars and support we can give to researchers on the front lines, the faster we will resolve breast cancer. We're closer than we've ever been, but the urgency and the opportunity to prevent and cure breast cancer has never been greater. I'm joined by Myra Bibluet, President and CEO of the Breast Cancer Research Foundation. Tell us about the researchers you work with, those who receive the grants to work on a cure for breast cancer. You know, I, I am a good fundraiser. Um, my partners are uh, consist of uh, very brilliant leadership, the leading lights in breast cancer research today across the globe who comprise our scientific advisory board. The dollars that we raise, they invest well and wisely. They know where the opportunities are. We have a cohort today of 275 investigators across 15 countries, and they are mining every opportunity to change outcome. If you look at the timeline of, of the work that they've done and the progress they've produced over the years, going back to the early years, uh, the identification of the BRCA1, BRCA2 mutations, work that brought forward Herceptin, that brought forward Tamoxifen, drugs that change outcome dramatically. They brought forward the work that showed that breast cancer isn't one disease, but probably four or five different diseases, and each has more in common with other forms of cancer than with each other. So research has shown, for example, our researchers have shown that once you identify the tumor type, you find that you can have more targeted therapies and better outcomes. We funded the work for the mammoprint and oncotype test. We funded the work that last year brought forward the results of the Taylor X study. That was a game-changing 10-year investment, four countries, 12,000 women, monitored over the course of the disease with the objective to understand, does a woman with a middle score in an oncotype test, an assay we helped to develop, need early-stage breast cancer, need both chemotherapy and hormone therapy, and what are the outcomes on hormone therapy alone? And we have proven, and women can now benefit from the finding, that upwards of 100,000 women in the U.S. today can safely forego chemotherapy and have hormone therapy alone and enjoy the same rates of disease-free survival and the same low rates of recurrence. So the researchers we're funding are on the front lines producing data that informs the development of therapies and paths forward for women and men around the globe every day. I'm joined by Myra Bibluet, President and CEO of the Breast Cancer Research Foundation. You can find out more at bcrf.org. Of course, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. How much has that initiative helped in the battle against breast cancer? Well, I will say we, we look forward to October every year because the public's attention is um, riveted on breast cancer in the month. Uh, but I will say that women and men are diagnosed 12 months of the year. 
So while it is a, a critical point on the calendar for us to tell our story and to fundraise and to show the power of research and the impact of the work we've done, it is a 12-month uh, uh, process. Right now, with COVID on the front lines affecting everybody, uh, still breast cancer affects women. Breast cancer doesn't take a pause for a pandemic. And when we have resolved COVID, still 110 people a day, a day in this country, will be diagnosed with breast cancer. But this is our month. I'm grateful to iHeartRadio for helping us tell the story. Uh, we have 130 corporate partners who bring products to market, many this month, some year-round. So I urge your listeners to shop the brands that support BCRF. If you go to our website, you can donate online. We have our event calendar. We have a rich offering of podcasts and videos, especially in this time of COVID. We want the public to get definitive, clear information on managing stress, on the Nutrition Cancer Link, all of the ways they can stay healthy during the pandemic. They can include us in long-term plan giving in their estates. Increasingly, people are uh, doing that, and we're grateful for that. But this is our month to wave the pink ribbon and say, in spite of COVID this year, breast cancer is not taking a pause. Keep breast cancer research top of mind. Do not let research be interrupted that would save lives. In fact, our founding scientific director, Dr. Larry Norton, says a year's interruption of progress is a decade lost because, to hark back to your earlier question line, everything is database. So if your tissue samples are not um, kept up, if your data collection is not kept up, if you cannot monitor patients through the progression of disease and see how the tumors evolve, you lose the data. So I urge everyone to support BCRF so that we can sustain our high-impact fundraising, and the proof is in the pudding. Four million survivors in the U.S. today, and I'm sure you share my desire that that number only grows. Let me ask you about the pandemic. There's not much that it hasn't disrupted this year. Do we know how the pandemic has impacted breast cancer awareness efforts? Have you found fewer women have gone in for routine exams, or is it still a bit too early to know? You know, that is indeed a very serious concern, that women are delaying getting their mammograms and their screenings. They don't want to go into the hospital. That patients are not going for treatment or are delaying. So it is a serious concern that people's hesitation to be out in public, to be in medical institutions, uh, is inhibiting progress. So I would, I would urge everyone to continue to go. I will tell you that, that most of the medical centers, all of the medical centers, are taking tremendous precautions. Uh, but scientists around the globe are working mightily, as you well know, with focus and determination to cure and prevent COVID-19. And we know when we move past the pandemic, people will still be dying from breast cancer each day in the U.S. And we can't afford a pause on progress. BCRF remains committed to eradicating it for the millions of people whose lives are at stake. Uh, COVID got in our way, but COVID will not change our focus. I'm joined by Myra Biblowit, president and CEO of the Breast Cancer Research Foundation. You can find out more about the foundation at bcrf.org. Another area of the work that you do that I wanted to spend a moment on, survivorship. Tell us about that initiative. Well, as I said, in the early years, our focus was on uh, diagnosis and treatment and, and making those better. As research revealed strategies for prevention, 
Uh, and we also began to see at the other end of the, the continuum survivorship. But one in three patients who've had cancer will have a recurrence in their lifetime. That's a stunning statistic. Mm. So survivorship is something that's very important to invest in and understand so that we have interventions to change that. But that is a stunning fact. It really is. And one more time, when it comes to helping the Breast Cancer Research Foundation do the work that you do, what is it that you're most in need of? I'm sure because of the pandemic, your foundation has taken a hit too. You bet. You bet. I will say we have had a a forward trajectory that has been gratifying since I took over. Uh, When I started, uh, we were funding 50 researchers in the U.S. Today, we are funding 275 across 15 countries. So that path forward has been fueled by thoughtful and generous donors. Uh, At the end of the day, what stands between today and cure, pure and simple, is funding. The science is there. The promise is there. So I would urge your listeners to go to bcrf.org. Uh, to find the Breast Cancer Research Foundation on social media. We are on all the platforms. And support us. Support our work and take advantage of the information on our website that can benefit them. As I said, we have a number of podcasts and videos from the grantees that we support that can inform from lifestyle to uh, other information on screening, Create a custom fundraising page, raise money, tap your personal network. We've seen so many people do fundraising in honor of someone uh, or on, a, on an occasion instead of a birthday. You can't, you can't have events, but you can have a virtual event and raise money. Uh, I urge everyone to support the foundation because the ROI is tremendous. Lives are at stake, and Bishop does nothing but fund research. That is what is the distinctive laser sharp focus we have stayed the course and the proof is in the pudding a 40 percent decline in breast cancer death we want to consign breast cancer to the history books and we want to unravel metastatic disease which is the reason that most people lose their battle to all cancers when cancer spreads from the primary site you're in a different game so we have the largest global Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Focus on that. And that's where the dollars can go to change the future. Myra Biblowit, president and CEO of the Breast Cancer Research Foundation. Again, you can find out more about the foundation at bcrf.org. Myra, thank you so much for joining us and the tremendous work that your foundation is doing. We really appreciate it. My thanks to you and your listeners. All right, finally, I'm joined by legendary political pollster and strategist John Zogby to talk about polling and the 2020 election. John, thanks so much for the time. And let's start with the basics, how polling works and the different ways polling is conducted these days. 
Well, sure. There are the, the traditional live uh, uh, telephone calls that come in these days. About two thirds uh, of those calls in any sample are made to cell phones, and the rest are are on landlines. Um, and I mean, frankly, you've got a better chance today of being reached uh, than ever before. But you have a be- better chance of being struck by lightning than when you consider, you know, over a hundred million households in the United States and taking then a random sampling of seven or 8,000 telephone numbers or 10,000 at most telephone numbers to try to reach a a thousand people. There are online polls. Um, You know, we do live phones, but we also do online polls. Basically that's about 15 million email addresses that have data points to them so that we don't know the names of these people, but we know descriptions demographically of who they are. You take a random probability sampling uh, of maybe 10,000 email addresses and send an email invitation to a secure link to take that, uh, uh, that kind of poll. There's a robo polls where you're just uh, randomly digit random digitally dialing telephone numbers throughout the United States or a given state and there's a recording on and you press one or press two uh, maybe a, a lot of people have gotten those kinds of polls some are very real and very good some uh, are bogus and the type of polling method matters because it could in some cases lead to different results correct um, yeah, it could. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of online polling simply because, you know, factors like uh, being embarrassed to say who you're going to vote for or what your political party is really doesn't enter as, as any factor at all, as opposed to there may be a few folks, you know, the shy Trump voter or the voter who says, geez, I don't want to tell a total stranger uh, who I'm going to vote for. So response rates, at least, are, are better on online polls. Some of the elements that make a poll more accurate, sample sizes, margin of error. Tell us about that part of the process. Yeah, sure. Um, You know, so, you know, in a nationwide poll, um, uh, basically, you you want uh, probably a margin of sampling error of three, plus or minus three percentage points. Meaning, you know, that if somebody is leading uh, 50% to 47%, that person with 50, uh, could be 53 or 47. That person with 47 could be plus three or 50 or down to 44. It's within the margin of sampling error. How do we derive at that? You know, there's a, a, a formula for that. Um, but, you know, essentially what, what you're talking about is random probability statistics. Same thing that's involved. If I've got a large jar of blue marbles and white marbles, um, and uh, there are 10 million of them, and I want to know how many of each color there are. I could spend the rest of my adult life counting those 10 million marbles and hope that I don't get a phone call or an interruption (laughs) in between. Or I can draw randomly. If I decide to draw randomly, if I draw 400 randomly, I'll get the same number of blues and whites in 95 cases out of 100, plus or minus five percentage points. Uh, If I want plus or minus three percentage points, more accuracy, then I'm gonna do about a thousand marbles. In 95 cases out of 100, if I follow the same procedure, I'm gonna get the same result 
plus or minus three. Of course, the lower the margin of error, the higher you, uh, uh, the larger the draws the sample is. I'm joined by legendary political pollster and strategist John Zogby to talk about polling and the 2020 election. Another thing that I think is important to keep in mind, and it's something that sometimes gets forgotten, these polls are a snapshot in time, not necessarily a predictor of the future. Talk a little bit about why it's important to know when the poll was conducted. Yeah, that's absolutely essential because news travels so fast that there can be time-sensitive factors that could change a few minds one way or another. We also know that with the rise of independence, uh, you know, I remember when the 4% of registered voters were independents. So it was kind of predictable how many Democrats, how many Republicans you'd have. Now you've got you know, basically a lot of swing voters out there. And so you can have people who don't make up their minds, you know, until election day itself. So meaning that you could have a last minute sweep uh, if you stop polling the Monday before the election. And now for a bit of the more scientific component, waiting, trying to make sure the polls take into account certain demographic elements and the balance between the amount of Republicans, Democrats and independents represented in the poll. How does all of that work? Yeah, I I mean, essentially, you want to pre-stratify your sample. So in other words, I'm not going to draw 10,000 random telephone numbers nationwide. I'm going to ensure from the start that if about 30% of my respondents need to be from the Northeast and 30% from the South, 20% from the West, that I'm going to draw them regionally proportionately. And if I do that, then when the calls are made or the email invitations are uh, uh, secured and and fulfilled, I'm roughly going to get a representative sample of the country. However, in the end, we do know that in more cases than not, we'd get a slight underrepresentation of non-whites, a a non-representation of younger voters, um, you know, in our samples. And so we go back to, Either the population, the census population, uh, most recently in in the area, or we go to exit polls and take a look at what a turnout model actually looks like uh, in in reality, and adjust our samples that way. Now, there's a little bit of artwork that's involved as well, because I can go straight by census or exit polls. But if I have a sense from my polling that hey, there's a lot of enthusiasm among blacks. There's little enthusiasm among Latinos. I'm being hypothetical here. I could adjust them up or down appropriately. And that is uh, that is a bit of artistry. And how about balancing political party representation? Yeah, absolutely. For, for starters, one of the things we need to talk about is the value of political party, especially when you have 90% of Democrats who support the Democrat and 90% of Republicans support the Republican. You want to make sure that party identification is adequately represented. One of the problems that I have with a number of polls that are coming out is that uh, there's a too broad of a differential between Democrats and Republicans. There are a couple of out um, most recently, one was 44% uh, Democrats, 28% Republicans. In the last election, Trump versus Clinton, it was uh, 39% Democrat, 35% Republican. And I don't have any reason to believe that the differential between Democrats and Republicans is any wider 
uh, than, than that. So I will adjust my sample to be representative by party as well. I'm joined by legendary political pollster and strategist John Zogby to talk about polling and the 2020 election. Another difference between polls can be the type of voter they're sampling, registered or likely voters. And for some of the approval ratings that people see, it's even broader than that. Why does all of that matter? Well, I can't account for the why because I only do likely voters all year round. Um, But let's just say there are some polls that poll all adults. Some do registered voters. Still others, like myself, do likely voters. And in each case, the the more you screen for likelihood of voting, you do have some significant demographic changes. Fewer poorer people, more college-educated people, um, generally slightly fewer non-whites. And so um, uh, there is a qualitative difference between those three different categories. So what did we learn from 2016? There's been so much talk about how the polls were wrong when it came to the presidential race. What's true and what part of that narrative doesn't quite match up with the data? Well, you know, I took a pass in 2016. I had sold my company. And so I can be totally objective about my colleagues. I thought that the state polls were right on. Not that they declared the actual winner in the last iteration of the poll that came out, but that they certainly captured a downward trend uh, for Hillary Clinton. So if you looked at at 10 days before the election, you saw Hillary Clinton leading by 9, 10, 11 points in key battleground states. And by the day before the election, she had either lost the lead, was tied, or only was up maybe two or three points. But the downward slide was clear uh, enough to suggest, not with pinpoint accuracy, who was going to win or lose, but, to, but certainly to make a decision, hey, I better hold off on making any prediction. Um, this trend could be continuing right through on election day. So I think honestly, Ryan, that the mistake was made by pundits and not so much by pollsters. And that's why I've been putting out pieces on how to read polls and what you should be looking for when what not to be looking for. I'm joined by legendary political pollster and strategist John Zogby to talk about polling and the 2020 election. Let's talk about exit polling for a minute. Some numbers everyone will see Uh, come election day, what does that attempt to show and how much stock should people put in those numbers on November 3rd? Yeah, the the exit polls have been geared for election day polling only, although now they will feature uh, a a telephone survey of people who have already voted. You used to be able to go to the bank uh, with the exit polls that leaked out about one o'clock in the afternoon, but Right now, the real value of exit polls is what they tell us about who's voting and why they voted, not so much, um, you know, who's actually going to win the election if it's a close result. No poll can, can, you know, with certainty tell you, including an exit poll, uh, that somebody's going to win by one half of a percent. I've been very fortunate. I've been able to nail some of those, but you know that's not how I want to market my brand. I want to market my brand as somebody who smartly and tries to be as accurately as possible in the polling. Uh, but the point is, folks should be looking at what were the major issues, what what were the drivers, um, who voted, was it uh, did young people show up in large numbers, old people in larger numbers. Uh, what percentage of the exit polls are black and and Latino. And if those appear to be reflective of 
what the pre-election polls are, are saying, then you get some sort of an idea what's going on. Final question for you. Obviously, all of this isn't an exact science, but just to reiterate, what are the key items everyone should be most focused on when taking a look at polling between now and Election Day? They should take a look at the samples and just drill just a little deeper. How many Democrats and how many Republicans are in the sample? That's number one. Number two, are there any key groups that each side needs that have a high undecided? So, for example, uh, Biden needs black voters. If we see the number of undecideds going up in the last couple of days, that means they're rejecting Joe Biden. If the numbers of undecideds among blacks uh, uh, go down and they go into the Biden column, then he's going to win among blacks where he needs to be and, and win the election. Same thing, say, with evangelical Christians and Donald Trump. John Zogby, longtime political pollster and strategist. John, thank you so much for taking the time to break all of that down for us. We appreciate it. Thanks so much, Ryan. Take care. And as we wrap things up, I want to offer a big thanks to all of our guests and, of course, to all of you for listening to iHeartRadio Communities. If you want to hear previous episodes of this show, run your iHeartRadio app. Just search for iHeartRadio Communities. And, of course, you can find me on social media at Ryan E. Gorman. We'll be back same time, same place next weekend. Stay safe. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.